Welcome, podcast fans, to this. A very special download, especially for everyone who has attended the Nottingham Comic Con 2014. Uh, a combination of two great podcasts coming together to discuss all things Comic Con. I'm David Davis, one half of the Milking It podcast. I'm Bombastic Boulamont, who not only is one half of the co-hosts of the Milking It podcast, but I'm also one half of the hosts of the Totally Insane Tape Show, where I'm joined by... Alright, I'm Dino Peppers. There you go. How are you doing? <laughs> Three men. Can you imagine we've got this this trio together once again for this very special episode? Yes, I can believe it because it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> Listen to the um, dynamic. It's quite incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. It's brilliant. Yeah, anyway, uh, but yeah, so basically, uh, we do, uh, two podcasts, uh, based around the Milky Universe. It's, it's milkyatpodcast.com if you want to see what we're all up to. Um, so, uh, myself and Boo do a sort of, well, we say weekly stroll, but it's, uh, sort of a week to ten days. Uh, we do a stroll for the week of Geek called the Milking It Podcast, which is available on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else. And you two do? The Totally Insane Tape Show, which is about movies and... Gubbins. Yeah. yeah. We generally just chit-chat about, uh, about nothing, uh, and, uh, while reviewing a couple of so bad that they're good movies, and in some cases so bad that they're bad. Yep, and this show is all about comic books and comic book movies. Mm. So we're going to go over our origin stories of uh, how we got into comic books, and also go over our top five comic book movies of all time. I I think that would be wonderful. I, I my origin story uh, it started when uh, my uh, home planet exploded, and my parents had just enough time to put me in a space capsule to send me to the nearest ga- um, oxygen-breathing planet, which happened to be your ones, Earthlings. So many thanks for that. It all turned out okay for Boulevard, didn't it? Although I'm sad to say that both of Dave's parents were uh, murdered in front of him outside the theatre uh, at an impressionable age. And uh, luckily his parents were multi-billionaires, allowing Dave to grow up. Uh, and uh, did you say you were going to avenge them, avenge their deaths, David? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I can't be bothered. <laughs> Just hanging out? Yeah, I've got this cash. I thought I'd go travelling. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what happens, you know. League of, he's decided to join the League of Tourists. It's an underground uh, ninja coven of uh, yeah, the, the League of Not So Bothered. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my origin story. <laughs> and Dean, I'm, and Dean, I'm to understand that you were a result of a science experiment between uh, putting <laughs> adamantium uh, onto the skeleton of a self-healing mutant. I heard he was the uh, subject of an experiment that put adamant onto the uh, skeleton of a human, and now he can just perform Prince Charming as much as possible. Yes. Uh, Don't you ever... Don't you ever... (laughs) Don't you ever... (laughs) Isn't that lovely? That's the type of banter you get with the Totally Insane Tape Show and the Milk and It podcast. (laughs) Did your chair break? Yes, it did. My chair broke. Dave, you've got no idea. You've got no idea, right? I am 14 stone. No, 14 stone of twisted steel and <laughs> sex appeal. Yeah. Yeah, as I said, we're going to get into the origin stories. Uh, we're going to go alphabetically, so Boo can go first. Mm. How did you get into comics, Boo? Uh, I'd started reading them. It's fascinating. Now, when I was younger, I was given a cardboard box full of old DC comic books, uh, which is where my love of the new Teen Titans comes from. Uh, and eventually, uh, I became more of a connoisseur. Um, definitely into my DCs, my Marvels, love my independence, uh, big fan of collected graphic novels because 
Uh, although I do like singular issues, um, I do prefer to have the whole shebang right in my hand. Uh, eventually, my taste matured, uh, going from kind of Wolverine and the X-Men, Spider-Man, um, and then I went through a phase of going into movie crossovers, so uh, I started collecting a lot of the Predator versus Batman, Predator versus Superman, Aliens versus Superman, Aliens versus Predator, um, and now my tastes uh, generally uh, with the amount of horror comic books you can now get, whereas before there was like one or two, there are loads on offers at the moment. So um, yeah, I'm into a, I'm in obviously into a variety of uh, comic based goodies. Mr. David, I, I understand that you're a fan of the old comic book shenanigans. I am, yeah. I, when when we spoke about doing this, because I, I I I don't really have the connection in terms of longevity with comic books as you guys do, but I I did. I started thinking about it and then thought, actually, I do because I, I, I got into comic books at a very young age because that's what I kind of got from the cartoons that I watched. So the first thing I used to do was I, like, I had the Master of the Universe comic when that was with he, you know, the He-Man, the Marvel one that they did in the UK. You know, I, I always got the real Ghostbusters comic and the Mask comic and Thundercats and that kind of got me interested. And then I discovered while I was, I, I can tell you exactly where I was. Um, I was in Somerset on holiday and I, I got a copy of the Beano for the first time. And that just got me hooked with the, the, the way it was drawn. Um, there was a particular artist called Tom Patterson who did Calamity James and that style just absolutely got me on board. I was so excited by it because he had loads of little things in the background. There was loads of extra bits and pieces going on and, and that made me think, okay, I want to try drawing. So the, the Beano got me into drawing. Um, so yeah, for me, comics have always been like matching whatever I've been watching. So like, well, I'm sure we'll discuss Batman later on, but the Batman films, I'd always try and get the graphic novel to go with it. Uh, the comic adaptation, sorry, is what they referred to it as. Um, and later on, now I've got to the stage where I've rediscovered comics by going into a local comic book shop and having a very good discussion about the Hush uh, Batman novel and, and saying, right, what, what can you, you know, what can you recommend? And I've been recommending things like Court of uh, Court of Owls, which is part of the New Fifty Two Scott Snyder uh, graphic novel. I, I'm like Boo, I'm a graphic novel guy. I like the whole collection in a nice book that I can read the whole story but uh, yeah I, I didn't realise comics had influenced me so much but I wouldn't have started drawing without the Beano so that for me is probably the most influential thing well, when you say graphic novel like mm. Boo do you mean trade paperbacks Oh, so you put this one out here. It's like graphic novel is okay. made. No, all right, all right, all right. No, no, don't, don't go because I'm I'm ignorant to no, the no, difference no, between you're that. You're right. A, a trade paperback, Dave, mm. is a collection of the comics grouped together, whereas a graphic novel like The Watchman is one complete story. Oh, um, okay. I did. Uh, apologies, I did not no, realize. The but is no, the Watchman. Comic book. The Watchman um, was was separate. Yeah, it's something like Scott Pilgrim is based as a graphic novel, which is like one complete okay. story. Yeah. Uh, Watchmen was separate issues. That's the trade paperback. That's right. between trade paperback. It's like having movies. Judge Judas in the room with us, Dave. <laughs> Sorry. So, is it, but, but that's not obviously not a, a, a definition that most people understand. It's one of those things that people say, like, "Oh, I collect graphic novels," and they say a collection ah, of quote books. A collection okay. of quote books is a trade paperback. A graphic right. novel is something that's made as the novel itself is like one whole story. Right. So it's it's always intended to be that, as opposed yeah, to it's one uh, big sequential thing. Right. Yeah, that's the one. Ah, okay. I did not. Do... Every day's a school day, kids. Yeah, I thought they'd throw that one out there. That's the yeah, one. Yeah, point. cheers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like buffoons. 
made you look like buffoons. Yes, you made us look like <laughs> big old buffoons. Big old. Sorry, well, it is, a, it is a podcast that's going to be fans, so they would know and they pour you off on this thing. Of course, yeah. I've no and as I actually make comic books, I should know these things. Yes, which is why I said Ooh, I, 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 make I, comic, I, I, I make comic them. books. And well, you've written one. Shh. <laughs> 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 But so, me, but, so but uh, what you're yeah. saying is me and Dave are idiots and uh, yes. I don't count myself as an idiot I just count myself as ill-informed I, I now know I've written it down I shall never ever refer to it again I, in fact next time I go into my local comic book shop I shall say uh, do you have a, uh, a do you have some novel, TP for or do you me? have a collection of uh, trade paperbacks do you have some TP for me it's trade paperback <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to put it on my ba- so <laughs> yes. a nerve now. I'd like to put it on my back <laughs> page um. <laughs> okay, I'll go tomorrow and so you can sort of mm. holes in this one. Oh, we will. I um, will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm writing it down. Come, go. Okay, um, I remember getting a, a box. Do you? Do you remember or a box? You say? Are you sure it wasn't like I it don't was know, like a shelf? Titans and it was um, those kind of stories from DC. There was mm. one called Plop as well, which is like an alternative DC comic book, which gave me nightmares apparently. Called Plop. Yes, it's uh, weird tales from DC. I've never heard of it. It's called, it's called it right what? Now. Sorry? Plop, Plop, David. You know the sound Plop. of a nugget hitting water. It's a bit like Mad Magazine. But apparently it gave me nightmares, so my parents got rid of it. Um, that was my first experience with comic books, but then my main one, when I got into them, actually collecting them... That looks amazing. Same. Sorry. It's basically, yeah, it's mad in any yeah. other name. I was going to say, you you probably do yeah. the same thing as me. You've just looked on Wikipedia. and Yeah, it, no one's listening it, to it me. Don't worry. It looks absolutely insane. Sorry, no, I'm not. Because oh. that reminds me of one. Sorry, one of the things I was going to mention about uh, in terms of um, the guy uh, Tim Patson who did Calamity James on Beano also drew for Viz and Oink. I didn't know whether any of you remember Oink, Oink magazine. Of course, yeah, I remember Oink. Oink. Yeah, it's yeah. like the, the pig, it's like a kids version of Viz. Yeah, it's a pig parody magazine. Hamba. Yeah. Hambo, yeah, yeah, Hambo super pig. Yeah. There we go, sorry. Oh, there we go. We, we found something. We bonded again. Right, okay. Let's stop attacking Dino and let him get on with his story. Stop doing comics. Can I have a graphic novel? Not graphic novel, is it? Sorry. Give me trade paperback. So let me get this right. So you, you, you had a handful of plot. <laughs> and it gave you nightmares. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward to like ninety two ish, there's like the X Men cartoon on T V, that's where yes. I actually got into oh, the yes. first time. Yeah. We were talking about this the other day. Yeah. Absolutely the X Men cartoon. So yeah, that come out in ninety two. Hmm. The X Men uh, relaunched their whole title and, uh, as the X Men. Was because it, it was the uncanny X Men and yeah. the X Men. So Chris Claremont and Jim Lee and I managed to collect all those ones from number one. Is there sorry, very that's quickly, because I, I, I mentioned a hush in mine. Is there a better artist than Jim Lee? Dave, you can say Jim Lee, but um, I know for a fact that the greatest comic book artist, in my opinion, is George Perez, which is why I've got the Perez tattoo on my right arm. Mm. But he's DC, so he mainly drew Batman, Robin. Well, Jim Lee's very DC now. Yes, but Jim Lee, I I associate Jim Lee more with Wildcats. No, um, hush, man. (laughs) But the thing is, it depends what type of art you like. Didn't he do Shadow's Dragon? Uh, Jim Lee? No, that's um, Eric Larson. Oh, that's right. Sorry, I should know that. Yeah, but it depends what I like. I mean, there's certain people go with the realism side of things. Yeah. Jim Lee's quite... He's kind of middle of the road in terms of he does cartoony styles with realism. Yes, of course, yeah. But then the ultra-realism like uh, Alec Ross mm. does the painting what? work. 
What's he drawn? Earth. He does like the fully painted covers. Oh, the fully detailed, like actually realistic, like characters. Do you know what? I, see if we're going to go on a quick tangent here. Um, that I, I, I read the, the Arkham Asylum graphic novel, mm. and I didn't appreciate the art style much. I thought, oh, it's amazing. Man. It's pretty, but I don't think it's it's very readable. Like it's quite hard to follow. So it's, it's a work of art, though. That novel. No, no, no. It is. It is. But I don't. Sorry, let in my comic is that a novel or a trade paperback comic? Um, and there's a Marvel one. Have you read the Marvel graphic novel slash trade paperback called Marvels? Well, that's Alex Ross. Is that what, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Ross. Alex, Alex Ross right. is amazing. That, that's, that's why I brought it up. Well, he's he's done the covers for the Batman 66 Green Hornet crossovers, which I've got, are just I've got, beautiful. I've got, I've got an issue with that. Yeah, you have. I, uh, I sent I it to you, sir. But yeah, he's just... Oh, amazing work! The Justice League stuff that he did as well is beautiful. There's, he was the guy who did the um, there's that very famous picture of Joker and Harlequin, which is like photorealistic painting of them. Just Joker's got his hands round her and just hugging her. It's just beautiful, really nice style. Oh, yeah. that's lovely. So that comes down to what style you like in terms of yeah. art. Because I like uh, Sam Keefe, uh, Jim Mafford, Scott Young. They're kind of cartoony. Okay, yeah, they're very sort of out there in terms of. An- anatomically correct and so on. They're kind of more cartoony. That's the whole thing of I like comic books because they can do stuff you can't do in films or in real life. The X Men cartoon that you've just mentioned. Oh, the X Men cartoon series, um, easily one of the best superhero cartoons of all time. Started in the early nineties, and um, they even they were told that they had to kill off a character in the very first few episodes. So uh, instead of going into the pool for one of their best loved characters, they designed the poor Messiah himself. Uh, Morph, who uh, actually grew into one of my favourite characters in the series, uh, in, in the comic book series, especially in the Age of Apocalypse uh, storyline. But I digress. Really great series. Um, really, uh, yeah, followed the storylines from the comic books. Um, and uh, it was the first one not to insult the comic book fans. It's like Spider Man and his amazing friends. Look at Starfire and Iceman. Like, like that was some uh, some rubbish from back in the day. Yeah, not a bad cartoon, but. Um, and then there was the terrible Fantastic Four cartoon, which um, they couldn't have thing in. Uh, sorry, Johnny Storm in, mm. because they were worried kids would set themselves on fire trying to copy him. So they came up with a happy daffy <laughs> robot friend. What? Did you not know? I've that? never How? heard that. Hanna Barbera, um, or Hanna Barbera, I don't know. Barbera, yeah. Barbera. Yeah. yeah. Um, they bought the rights to the Fantastic Four, mm. but they decided that they wouldn't put Johnny Storm in as a character because they were worried kids would set themselves on fire trying to pretend to be him. True story. So they replaced him with a happy robot. It was the thing, Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, and Happy Robot Dude. Wow. I've I never heard that before. That That is insane. There you go. Well, I, I love throwing in a little bit of facts e- here and there. Every day's a school day, isn't it? Yeah. Right, cool. shall we... Um, <clears throat> talking of uh, on the superheroes on the screen, uh, shall, we, shall we move on to talking about a bit of superhero moviness? Because yes. I know that a lot of the guys at the Comic Con, they come here to get their autographs, to get their pictures, to get their comic merch, and I know that all of them are riveting uh, for the Justice League movie, for the Batman Superman movie, and of course the forthcoming gems mm. from the Marvel Studios. So let's have a little bit of a chat about superhero movies, and um, I'm, I think you might be surprised by some of the ones on my list. They're not strictly superhero movies. It's any movies based on comic books. Um, or be, comic book sort of related movies. Yeah, or, or comic book related movies. We can talk about kind of um, that well, kind of thing. By the whole idea of superheroes. And, yeah. 
Yes. So let's go around we... the... Should we, should we do our fives and go around and then our fours and go around? So yeah, let's go alphabetically again. So you can go first. Oh my god. Have I put you on the spot because you have no script? No, 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 that's fine. Uh, my number five... <laughs> super... Boo works well without a script. My number five Here's superhero movie is Thor. Um, from the first, Ooh, from the first okay. string uh, of Marvel movies. Because I said, and I've probably said this previously on the Milk Lick podcast, which I know you lucky listeners are going to go and download now uh, after hearing such pleasure for your ear canals. Um, on iTunes and Stitcher. And, uh, and everywhere good podcasts are available. But yeah, number five is a thought, um, because I just thought it was going to be terrible. So my expectations were so low, it was barely believable. I thought of all the characters to bring uh, to the screen why are you doing Thor and um, I was flabbergasted by how well it worked in fact I remember distinctively uh, distinctly really wanting Thor to get Molnir the hammer uh, when, the, when the scene when he's running like clotheslining all the guards who are trying to stop him and he's running and running and everyone even the characters on screen are like I'm, you know I'm kind of gunning for him like, after all that and that scene just got my blood pumping it got me going, and um, I just thought it was a really movie. They didn't spend too much on the romantic angle, um, which I always appreciate on my superhero movies, uh, and and it really went with the gusto. Brilliant cast: you've got Anthony Hopkins as um, as Odin, um, and Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston, oh, I never remember Hiddleston. Yeah, uh, playing Loki, and what a revelation! And he was so good, in fact, that they kept him for the next yeah, three movies. Very good. So, strong cast, strong story, strong director. My number five goes to Thor. My number five uh, won't surprise anyone. Is Well, might surprise people, actually. Is uh, Tim Burton's first Batman. Uh, Yep, it's 1989's Batman uh, by Tim Burton. Um, I'm not a massive fan. It it doesn't stand up well re-watching it, but I'm I'm including it on my list because at the time, I was nine years old so it was the most exciting thing that's ever happened um it was the first uh dvd sorry dvd as if i'm that young it was the first vhs that came out to have a 12 certificate um normally when things 12 at the cinema they got bumped up to a 15 when it came out on uh, vhs this was a 12 my parents watched it and they said yes you can watch it the next day on that two-day rental from the fabulous little uh, uh video shop around the corner um Jack Nicholson chews the scenery as a Joker, but is ultimately the thing you want to see when you're nine years old, because he is the bad guy. I I had no idea about the origin stories and Joe Chill and everything else that happened. I was just about this Batman. So Michael Keaton is my Batman. Um, And this film is my number five, definitely. I I thought long and hard about this one. Uh, I do have a tendency to choose things that are totally different from the norm, and if you listen to the Totally Insane tape show, which I hope you will after this uh, CD, um, I do like stuff that's absolute rubbish. Uh, my number five is Hal Duck. Mm. It's uh, infamous and notorious. Uh, it's Marvel's first attempt at making a full-length theatrical live action film for uh, quite a few years. Uh, it followed the adventures of Hal the Duck in a world he didn't create. Uh, quick plot really is that Howard gets pulled into a dimension from his own by a mysterious wormhole. He's all being one exactly like ours but with ducks instead of humans. So really it's, it's ducks in space. Which is how the um, screenwriter actually described making the film. It's essentially it's a ducks in space movie. It's not really clever or smart at all but the original comic book itself was quite satirical 
quite clever. So Marvel thought that'd be a good idea to sort of bring it to the cinema, and uh, so George Lucas was the guy who made it really. Um, yeah, it was a total bomb in the box office, and if you watch it now, it's quite bad, but it's enjoyable at the same time. I mean, you guys must have seen Howard the Duck. Of course, I've seen Howard the Duck. It's yeah. got. Never mind. Um, it has Jeffrey Jones in it as the uh, bad guy, uh, Tim Robbins as the uh, sort of comedy backup. And Tim Robbins is known more for the Shawshank Redemption. Jeffrey Jones is known for other things like the... Beetlejuice. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was written by a couple of people who also wrote the Temple of Doom. So it's kind of George Lucas, guys who wrote mm. Temple of Doom. People thought it would be amazing. Marvel thought it would be like a great thing to push their films into the cinema. And it, it wasn't really. It was a total bomb. But if you watch it now, you separate it from being the comic book because no one really knows the comic book at all. I mean, there's the Guardians of the Galaxy spoiler. Final clip scene where you have like the collector held it up at the end of it. No one knows what's going on there. Yes. So if you watch the film now, it's like it's completely separated from being a Marvel film. Completely separated from being actually a comic book film. But if you watch it, it it's pure fantasy and fun. It is actually a duck in space movie. Yeah, that's number five. Well, very interesting choices, Mr. Dino. I know. Uh, I'm expecting a little bit of backlash from a certain person on this one, but my number four movie and my only... Batman movie to appear on my list. Are you ready for oh, God. Are you ready for this, Dave? Number four is Batman Forever. Uh, what? Uh, it was the big summer blockbuster of my young teens. Uh, I mm. remember the hype, okay. the excitement. Jim Carrey was on a roll. Yep. He'd just done uh, both Ace Ventura's The Mask, and pretty much everything Jim touched seemed to turn into gold. Um, I remember the laughably bad choice for Batman in Val Kilmer. I just remember the excitement of having Robin in there for the first time. Um, it just was a thing of the era. Um, McDonald's had a Batman meal, uh, all the toys available, video games. Um, you know, <laughs> mid-90s, this was the fad for that summer. And um, I got caught into it hook, line and sinker. So for that reason alone, my number four is Batman Forever. No, it's, that's fair news. I, speaking as someone who owns all four special edition glasses that McDonald's did for Batman Aha! Forever. Uh, yeah, I can totally understand that. And uh, I, I did uh, get very excited when I was lucky enough to go to Las Vegas and see the original costumes from uh, Batman Forever in the window of the Warner Brothers store, which is something we've, we've spoken about previously on the movie podcast. Not a bad film. Stands up actually probably better now than most of the other early Batman films uh, definitely See, sorry to go off on a tangent David but you no. you bring up an interesting point like you said you've got all the collector's glasses from Batman Forever yes I, they, do they still do that kind of thing because I remember back in the day uh, Pizza Hut were awesome for giving away stuff I remember the Back to the Future meals where you could get the glasses from the future they did four different sunglasses all in the style of sunglasses you've seen in the future in the movie they had Lamp Ford time yeah. Hand puppets, um, X Men and Thunderbird collectible cups with the little vehicles on the top of the cup. Like there was some awesome collectibles back in the day, and I don't, I don't remember seeing like an Avengers meal at McDonald's. I don't remember seeing like a, 
anything like that, really. Am I? Am I? I think that, that, that it does still exist, but I think the majority of the money now is in the product placement within the film, as opposed yes. to what they're doing outside. I think, yeah, they, they've realised they can make a lot more money from having someone sipping a Budweiser as opposed to, right, we need to do this special edition glass or, you know, that, that's all a cost the company. <laughs> I don't know, but it, it's still a massive, massive industry. And um, Morgan Spurlock did a very good documentary. Um, oh, not the, one di- not, placement. not the one di- one direction one. I was so disturbed when I found out he... He directed. Yeah, that was that was quite bizarre. But no, no, it was it was about product placement, and it, it's very good. It's on Netflix uh, if you get a chance. I think it's on YouTube as well because you put it up for free. It, was so, it called yeah. Buy This Movie or was it's, it? Uh... Yeah, Buy This Movie, sponsored by various things. Yes. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's very interesting. It's most like product placement, placement and um, like things they put where it's it's it used to be in shops. You go and then you buy like four commemorative glasses, or whatever. It's all mm. online now, though. Yeah, I, I think so. So it'd be a case of the Avengers, if you do this online, you get a special Avengers Captain America mug. Get a limited edition Franklin Mint Avengers coin worth five real dollars. Yeah, I think it, it's all going to be that kind of stuff. Um, okay, so my number four, moving on, yes, um, is, again, probably one that some haters got to hate, but uh, I was a big fan of because... I, as I've admitted on the Milking podcast, I didn't read the uh, the. Uh, it's not a graphic novel; it's a collection. It's a trade paperback. Um, I did not read Watchmen until I'd seen the film. Um, I am a big fan. It's number four on my list of the Watchmen film that Zack Snyder did in two thousand and nine. Um, yes, I agree. The ending's not as good as the trade paperback. Um, I just thought it was really well done and set him up for the movies he's doing now. It's why I am, I'm confident he can do the Batman v Superman. You know, it, it is, I know Alan Moore has nothing to do with any screen adaptation of anything that he's done, but I thought this was as close after reading the trade paperback. I thought this was as close as I wanted a film to be. Brilliant soundtrack, great acting, really well shot, great special effects. Watchmen is my number four. I think when it came out, I actually said to I think it was on the podcast about um, Taboo, was it better after you've read the trade paperback or was it like better as a film on its own? I enjoyed it more as a film on its own because once you know the story and you've seen because the trade paperback um, goes into so much detail with the characters that they obviously can't do that because it's only like an hour and a half, two hours, whatever the film is. You know, it, there is so much background there and obviously they've expanded on the characters now. You've got extra Watchmen um, trade paperbacks that are available for each and every character. It's such an expansive universe that he creates in that one, you know, one story for me, I enjoyed the film as it was. Once I read it, I was like, ah, oh, okay, there could have been that, there could have been that, could have been that. But as a film, as a standalone, I think it works really, really well. Right, cool. Um, my number four, again, playing on the so bad it's good uh, cult film side of me, um, is Tank Girl. It's something that had negative reviews when it came out. Mm. It's much like uh, How the Dark Race. It, the original Source Material was something that was really kind of edgy and alternative but when it was in the film it's like no one actually got it and it didn't exactly follow follow the source material even though the musical number in it it's um 
The film took a different turn where it was much like Mad Max, but it was a stupid Mad Max. It's kind of notorious. It's, it's um, much like how the it took a couple of screen rewrite uh, script rewrites where they took the original ideas where how the was satirical. They changed it to like you know, Duck in Space. Uh, Tank Girl was very British. They had like Benny Hill scenes in it. Um, using kangaroos is kind of stupid. Original script had grain chill references in it, for, for example, which <laughs> really wouldn't sort of fly with the American audience. So they changed it around so much it was so you couldn't figure out that it was like from a, the actual comic book. So yeah, it was kind of um, a bomb of the box office again. I have these things where I like bad movies. It was such a bomb of the box office, it made like four million back from twenty five million. I was just loving that. Sorry, if you if you've listened to the Totally Insane Tape Show, you'll find that we take great pleasure in finding out how much movies cost and how much they made. Um, check out our MTV special for uh, for a couple of huge bombs. Um, one of which, surprisingly, was an excellent movie. In fact, they were both pretty good. Check out the MTV. I want my MTV special uh, of the Totally Insane Tape Show. But that's, that's it. The... They, it's like real, real big bombs in the box office, but they really enjoyed the films. I mean, Tango as a film was like. Yeah, it's quite funny. I even sort of read the original Tank Girl comic book. It was one of the first ones I picked up after X-Men. I had a back-issue catalogue thing. It's like X-Men comic books. Yeah, I took a load of them. And it was like Tank Girl. But okay, I have no idea what this is. But I bought them. So Tank Girl comic books, I read them. Really enjoyed them. Film come out. Like a couple of years down the line. It's quite a few years after I actually bought them for comic books. And I really enjoyed the film. It doesn't hold up though. I watched it literally like three weeks ago and I loved Tank Girl when it first came out. Dude, the movie does not hold up. Um, Michael McDowell and... and Malcolm McDowell. Eh? Malcolm McDowell. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, just chewing up the scenery every time he was on the screen. And I love Laurie Petty, don't get me wrong. She's been great in a lot of stuff, but this wasn't it. And uh, my homeboy Ice T, um, yeah... He played a kangaroo, that's all you people need to know. He plays a mutant kangaroo. So that's the, that's the view people people take about the film. It's, it's really stupid, but that's what I like about it. There was a whole thing where it, it ran out of money before the big end scene was filmed, so they had to actually animate the end scene. Which I, th- I thought those animated bits were awesome. But that's the thing, it's, it's Jamie Hewlett, um, it's Alan Martin. Dave, have you and seen this movie? Um, I, I, do you know what? I haven't. I'm aware of the artwork because of the gorillas. Yeah, that's the thing. Is like he went on to yeah. sort of co-create the gorillas with uh, Damon Albarn. Mm. So he has like this standing in the cult comic book art community. So yeah, some of his stuff is like really good. His uh, original Tango stuff with Deadline, really good. It's in the film. It's like the end scene. There's a big fight scene where they're in the tank, and they didn't have enough money to film it, so they just animated it. And I like that whole idea. It's like crash edits and um, what do you call them? There's a word for it, like snap cuts or smash cuts. Smash cuts. That's the one. Mm-hmm. It's all yep. racing based. They did it in this film, mid nineties, yeah, yeah. mid nineties, and everyone sort of said, "No, that's rubbish." But they do this stuff now, and it's like it's amazing. It's different. It's alternative. And back then they were doing it. It's like oh, that's not that good. But yeah, the film bombed. But I still like it. As Devo said, she's just a girl. She's just the girl you want. <laughs> Which is available on the Tank Girl soundtrack. Uh, just to tie that all in. Um, no, that's really cool. I, I used to love Tank Girl myself. 
it was one of those rebel comic books like The Crow and stuff that back in the 90s was not mm. was not the norm. This is, I'm talking pre, like, uh, Image Comics and Todd McFarlane, because that... No, not, no, Image Comics was 92, so no, it was after that. No, no, but I mean, but, like, Image and Spawn was, like, the fad, and they became, like, the breakaway from Marvel and DC, but back, for me, back then, it was all, like, Tank Girl and The Crow that was the breakaway. Um, I actually, oh, I'm going to sound terrible here, comic book fans, not that keen on Spawn as a series... I like the animated, I like the adult animated show that they did. Really, but as an actual comic book, I find it the heaven and hell thing just a bit much. Mm. But um, well, it was a bit by numbers, really. That's like a Faustian deal, was it? It's a Faustian deal that went wrong. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but I don't even. And while we're film. talking comic book movies, if we had the five worst, notice I didn't say worst comic book movies, um, Spawn would be well up there. I don't even remember that being made. That's the thing is, like, it come out. You look at when they come up with a list of like worst films ever from comic books. It's like, yeah, Spawn's in there. I can't remember it. I watched it. Yeah, I don't it, remember the the animated series being made. Either. To me, it's like the Dylan Dog movie. We shall not talk about it, even if it did have Kurt Angle in it. <laughs> we do not talk about the Dylan Dog movie. We talk a little bit about the Dylan Dog movie, but I suppose I should go on to my number. My number three. Um, Again, oh, I'm not trying to be like a, a a comic movie hipster here, guys, but my number three is Ghost World. Now, Dave, are you aware of Ghost mm. World? Of course of I course am, sir. Excellent. I always like to. It's based on the book by Daniel Klaus, uh, yep. Laura Birch, and a, a very young Scarlett Johansson, and of course, everyone's favourite freaky-eyed guy, Steve Buscemi. Mm. Um, yeah, um, I actually saw the movie before I read the comic book and wasn't aware that it was a comic book movie. I just thought it was another kooky indie film from the likes of our podfather, Kevin Smith, and their like. Um, yes. But it actually turned into quite an emotional, strange drama. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I really recommend it to anybody. Um, and if I could get that Jurassic Park t-shirt that, 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 that one of the girls wears in the movie the whole time, I, I would be so happy. But yeah, it's um, it's really interesting movie. Uh, it's about a couple of friends, um, and both of them are kind of social outcasts. Uh, and eventually, they meet up with a guy who uh, I believe, personally, and I don't know if it's been stated, but he's probably based on Robert Crumb. Uh, he's a very weird guy, and he collects jazz records. Uh, if that isn't Robert Crumb to a T, um, but yeah, it's it's just like a really kooky movie, and um, it's it's a really good book as well. So if you haven't seen that, guys, or read, check out Ghost World. It's only about twenty years old. Get on it. <laughs> Fair enough. No, it, it was a great movie. Um, number three for me, um, surprisingly, maybe uh, is The Dark Knight. So this is the only Nolan. Batman film that's going to go into my top five. I'm putting it at number three because it is the best of the three. I know Boo and I have had several conversations on the Milking It podcast about Heath Ledger's Joker, but for me, Heath Ledger is amazing as the Joker. Aaron Eckhart does a really good job as Two-Face. Christian Bale is at his best in this as Batman. It doesn't go as weird as it does for the next one, the previous one was a little bit too art house for its own own good, and yeah, all right. Even the appearances of uh, several Hollywood stars couldn't save it. But um, the Dark Knight for me, two thousand eight, that is my Batman film of the new generation. 
That is the Christopher Nolan one that I will include in my top five. Dark Knight. Dino? Dino? Yeah, I said at the start, I don't like realism comic books. It's like the whole idea you draw comic books. It's, it's supposed to be sort of out there and over the top. It can be cartoony. It can be yep. pretty stupid stuff. This one is uh, all about realism. It's, it's actually not based on a comic book. It's a film around an origin story of a superhero. It's okay. uh, written by M. Nice Shamalama Ding Dong. Shamalama Ding Dong. Shamalama Ding Dong. Shamalama Ding Dong. It's a twist. That's the one. Uh, yes, it's Unbreakable. This is a wow. three film. It's, okay. it's a superhero film. You don't realise mm. it's a superhero film until the end. It's got that whole slow build to being about superheroes and comic books, but it's not directly mm. about comic books. It's not all about flashy costumes and so on like that. How dare you bring up Unbreakable, sir? Do you know why? Because Breakable is easily one of the best superhero movies ever made. It was originally a trilogy, and it would have saved M. Night Shyamalan's floundering career. Yeah. Um, the first one was an origin story, literally the whole way through. He doesn't find out um, that the, the main protagonist... Um, so the main antagonist, who is played by Samuel L. Jackson, caused the accident. I mean, it, I don't want to ask. Oh, spoilerific. Anyway, the setting of this uh, film is in yep. real life rather than mm. it's not a comic book universe. So it, you don't no. see it as being a comic book movie until the end where it, even though he's references comic books, it's not about superheroes, but it is about superheroes. Mm. See, like Boo saying, it was a trilogy, but he cut it down to one movie. And it would have probably been better as like three movies, but then I don't think if you just have a movie about some guy not knowing he's a superhero, it would have worked. It was a bit, bit yeah, too slow. But I just love the concept of superheroes in a world where there are no superheroes. He's the, literally the first superhero and the first supervillain. Neither of them have a concept of the Kate's Crusader, in it, you know, and, on, and that kind of thing when it comes to superheroes. This is it's literally what those Nolan films were trying to do and it was ultimate realism with a fantasy backdrop. Yeah, it's the mm. whole idea of a, as the traditional superhero films have, like say Superman turning up in the universe which doesn't have a superhero. He's not based on anybody, it's not like a comic book. Right. So it's a bit like zombie movies where they have zombies but they don't have zombie book, zombie films. So they just call them something like walkers, like Walking Dead does. Mm. Like, are there walkers or are there... Um, Know, this goals. is something we've never encountered in our culture. We yeah, it, no it's something like that. With this, it's yeah. very much a case of we don't have superheroes. We don't have superheroes in our universe. Yeah. So it's kind of like Superman turned up in the universe and doing comic books. So oh, he's, he's impersonating that super guy. No, he's just Superman. There's no comic books depicting superheroes. There's no bad guys. Yeah, this is something we cannot compute. Yeah, yeah this is is yeah. very much like. They've taken that and they've gone, okay, we've got Superman, we've got Batman, okay, mm. and Bruce Willis is one of them. It's like a complete twist on the, the idea of movies and origin mm. stories. It's like we know there's superheroes in comic books, but you're a real superhero in real life. It's kind of a head trip when you think about it, because they don't really reference it in, say, Superman. Like I say, there's no super guy. There's no super comic book in Superman. It's not different mm. entire different podcast, I'm guessing, but yeah, unbreakable. That's kind of that's what I like about origin story because it's not expected. It's like you get to the end of the film, it's like the twist, 
think everyone now says, oh, I saw that twist coming. I think it's because they saw his first film, Sixth Sense, which uh, has the big twist yeah, in it, which of course, yeah. you want to ruin? Oh, Bruce Willis is really, is really dead. Um, listen, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 but I genuinely, and I hate to, I hate to admit it, I did not see the twist coming in either, um, the sixth sense. I didn't realize that that's what way they, they, everyone said, Oh, you're not going to believe the twist at the end. And I, and I didn't because I didn't read the signs. I was just watching his movie and the same with Unbreakable. Um, you kind of get an idea mm. of it. But like, yeah, I wasn't 100. percent And when the kind of the big reveal at the end, I was like, "God, that was good. I hope they make another one of those." <laughs> but I think you speak to people nowadays, and they say, "Oh, I saw the end of uh, I saw the ending of uh, Unbreakable coming." I think it's because of the sixth sense they expected a twist in some way, and it's kind of yes, obvious. Of course. As well. He was the king of the twist by that point, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. I think sixth sense ruined Unbreakable in terms of the ending because when it came out, everyone loved it, and now everyone's like, oh, "I saw the ending coming a mile off." So it's kind of the unloved. Superhero movie, which isn't a superhero movie. Yeah, I yeah. agree. No, 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 totally. And, and and again, if you guys haven't checked out Unbreakable by M Night Shyamalan Dingdong, check that out now. What a twist! What a twist! For you robot chicken fans out there, what a twist! It was really a man in a man suit. What a twist! <laughs> Are you ready for my number two, guys? It's been another controversial one. My number two. Uh, comic book based movie of all time um, in 1988 a film came out that started the manga revolution over here in Europe and in the US mm. uh, leading the pack was this movie by a man called Katsuhiro Otomo the movie Akira most classic cyberpunk animated movie of all time and based on a very long and famous um, comic book series that was printed in various magazines in Japan uh, it was pre- it was bought over by Marvel and printed under the Marvel Now uh, banner, which is where I first got to read Akira. Um, and then uh, very early in the 90s, BBC Two actually bought the rights and showed the first ever showing in the UK or Europe uh, of Akira. As a kid, this movie blew my freaky little mind. Um, I have never thought of anything other than cartoons being animated children's stories. Um, or animated comic book stories very much like X-Men as we spoke about earlier um, what I saw changed me <laughs> it was violent it was gritty it was science fiction but it wasn't insulting it was it was for adults by adults and um, after that my outlook changed forever uh, the cyberpunk classic as, as it's been referred to um, is still watchable to this day and if you guys haven't seen it then I think you're at the wrong convention um, I know that the majority of people listening to this are going to see this and, uh, and have seen it and be like, oh, well, duh. But um, I, to this day, I still love watching Akira. Uh, great storyline. Um, the, the animation is beautiful. Uh, it's painstakingly done. So even the speed lines in cars and motorcycles are seen as they drive past. Every light is animated in the city. It's just a beautiful thing to behold. And the fact that it was made in 1988 um, is shocking to, to to people who see it today when they look at how well done it is. So for that reason alone, my number two is the manga classic Akira. Mm. Yeah, totally agree with you. I mean, I saw that when the whole manga thing was coming over here, and they had like uh, Akira, it's a North Star mm. project, AKO. 
I, the Minion Tank Police. The Minion Tank Police, and of course, the legendary Urutsuki Doji, Legend of the Overfiend, or... No, I can't call it that, can I? This is the PG show. But um, <laughs> lots of very strange goings-on in those movies. Oh, see, I, I feel left out, because I, I, I'm not a guy who knows much about Japanese print. It's just something that's never really appealed to me. You know, I, um, Dare I say, I've never, ever seen... No, I'm not even going to say that. Dave, you not you must have not, what, not even you've not seen Street Fighter the movie that the, the the manga. No, no, you've never seen a Japanese anime. Have you seen any of the Studio Ghibli movies? No. Oh. And the, the bad thing is, I have a, a Blu-ray of My Neighbor Totoro because I have a very close friend who is a massive fan, and I've bought him several things to do with that film. I have still not got round to watching it because I I ah I'm so bad. But no, I'm... Dave, Dave, we can't be friends anymore. He's not even seen Totoro, dude. We, we can't talk anymore. That's <laughs> um, terrible. It's so Dave, sorry. Uh, Dave, when, uh, I we remember previously on the Milking It podcast oh, no, uh, telling a story of how I weeps like a newborn uh, <laughs> at the end of Spirited Away. If that isn't reason enough for you to go, what made your booty cry? Go and find out. <laughs> no, because I don't, I don't want to cry at films. I cry like that at EastEnders, so I, I mean, don't want to... Have to Dave, the Fireflies... No, because I was told that I would time. cry like a baby at that, and I, I'm like, yes, oh, you will. Why am Denied I? It. Why do I want to put myself through that? But I, okay, okay, I, I pledge, I hereby pledge, I will do my best to catch up with Studio Ghibli and as many manga slash anime tings How you as I can. I, Dave, you will not like it, but I highly recommend this. I think I've done this many times, but I recommend this to the North Star. It's head poppy fun. Okay, I will definitely watch, I will definitely check that out. <laughs> Would you like to know my number two while you're well, while you're well, disrespecting? Well, I guarantee it won't be a Japanese movie. <laughs> it's not, and it's it's possibly critically acclaimed the worst movie that I could have picked. But it is my favourite of Dave. If you say Batman or Robin, this interview is over. <laughs> no, Joel Schumacher has nothing on this. Um. My number two is X Men: Last Stand, the third uh, X Men oh. film. Oh, oh Dave! Okay, right. Did you hear the gasps? Did you hear the gasps? Why All don't right. you tell us why X Men: Last Stand Back is off, one of your yeah? particular favourites? Right. So, Brett Ratner, the director, took over. He was doing this one. X Men: Last Stand. For me personally, I liked the story. I liked the the way it was done. I Absolutely loved Magneto's character in this film. Thought it was really good. He made several analogies to the idea of being a mutant, being different, and being gay, which may tie into. Let's not uh, beat around the bush. My personal lifestyle choice. That seemed a very cool thing. The special effects were amazing. The thing with the Golden Gate Bridge at the end, they call comes together. Absolutely brilliant for me. I'm not saying it's the best X-Men film because I understand people love X-Men 2. People love the first movie. For me, X-Men The Last Stand is the best X-Men movie that has been done so far. I I, I will stand corrected if you can prove me wrong. But yes, X-Men The Last Dave, Stand, number two. Okay. Um, Vinnie Jones as Juggernaut. Right, ignore Vinnie Jones! <laughs> Sometimes you have to ignore certain things. No, I, why, why not? He was all right. 
every silver lining has its cloud. I would stand by the idea of him as Juggernaut if I thought he was good. He weren't. So I'm going to ignore that. I'm just talking solely about the rest of the film. I I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good, well-played-out film. I thought it, it was a good ending to that trilogy. And genuinely, one of my favourite films of all time. You didn't think like Cyclops being off in the first 15 minutes, was it? 15, 20 no, minutes? I liked that. Never. No, no, never I'm, had, I'm afraid I have to agree with Dave on that the, one. Um, the Phoenix thing at the end. and Ah, oh, perfect. They could have made so much more out of it, though, Dave. I don't know if you're aware of the original script for the. Third of course, one. I'm not. Otherwise, I wouldn't be putting it in my top five. <laughs> no, no, no. But not too long ago, they 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 released the original storyboards for the beginning of the of X Men Three. It starts with the entire city being destroyed by the Phoenix. It mm. it starts with like a massive over like a long shot of like the destroyed um, Golden Gate Bridge and destroyed monuments. And it was going to be epic, and although it wasn't as epic, it was still... You know, I like the original trilogy, and um, especially since they've now brought it back into the story timeline with X-Men Days of Futures Past, which, although it's not my number one, definitely should get an honourable mention um, yes. in the top yeah, five of all time, because it yeah, was definitely. brilliant. Um, I really enjoyed it. And again, Ian McKellen, Patrick Stewart, oh, is there a better, it. Is there a yeah. better tag team of British acting not really. Not not that I can think of it off the top of my head. Um, but no, I totally agree with you, Dave. I've already enjoyed X Men um, three. Uh, it's it's uh, it, personally, I don't think it's the best one. However, you're not wrong. It's a damn fine comic book based movie. So, oh, I'd, I'd admit it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah okay. It's not. Dean looks yeah, like it's a, it's a good old romp, sirs. It's one of those. It's you watch it. It's like okay. I know some people will say it's terrible if they know the source material. Like. Oh, the Phoenix should be doing this, and Cyclops should have died this earlier on. But yeah, it's, it's fine. It's just Kelsey Grammer and Vinnie Jones. And... No, as I thought you said, the danger room was going to be ready for. <laughs> Miles? Uh, yes. Um, anyway. So, so are, we, are we there? Are we at our number one? No, I've got my number two to still be oh, on. No, God, he's got his number two. Who wants to hear that? You're, you're, <laughs> you, are, you are no... Carol Vorderman, sir. So, yes. She yeah. is the beautiful woman of math. Don't you ever. <laughs> okay, my number two is also on the realistic idea of Unbreakable. It's also on the Unbreakable thing of not being a comic book. It's uh, written by, oh, directed by James Gunn, who also did Gunn. Oh, here we Galaxy. go. It's super. A movie I was only Bowl. made aware of about four days ago. <laughs> yeah. It's amazed me that you didn't know about this one. No, it's Rain Wilson um, uh, in the lead, and I was shown a clip. Someone was like, "Oh, Booley will find this funny," um, and it was of him hitting a man and a woman in the face with a wrench. Well, that's what gets me about it. It's on this unbreakable scale of it's very much a realistic thing, work, but it's done like a. It's almost like a comic book where it's a guy gets told by God he should be a superhero, or he gets the idea that he should be a superhero. So he makes his own costume, and it's very stupid in terms of the way they set it up. And the costume is very bright and like a comic book. But then he has a weapon which is a socket wrench, and he first time he uses it, it's very graphic in the way they use it. But it hits a guy, and it does what exactly a guy would do if someone gets hit with a socket wrench, pretty much. <laughs> you hit it with something like that, it's going to make you bleed. Yeah. Very violently. So the whole idea of it is okay, 
it's kind of light-hearted in terms of the way they set it up. But the theme of it is a guy's wife has been taken by a drug dealer slash pimp. And he wants revenge on that person. So God gives him the message of uh, he should sort of do something about it. And what it is is about mental illness. And he's not quite there on what he should be doing like as a sensible human being. It's like, oh, you call the police and you tell them this and this and this. He's like, oh, I'll give you a superhero. But the whole idea of the film is very colourful and it's very comic book orientated where he goes to a comic book shop and says, oh, hey, I want to uh, know about superheroes who don't have any powers. So superheroes have any powers like Batman. Batman has lots of money, however. And he's also trained in numerous martial arts. So he's got loads of money, martial arts. Okay, this guy is just a normal guy on the street. He's not going to learn martial arts. Okay, so he's going to get a, a weapon which is going to help him defeat the powers of evil, which is a monkey wrench. So the whole first scene where he uses the monkey wrench is a guy jumping in the queue. So it's like a very normal thing to annoy normal people. So he's being the hero of a certain scene. It's very comic book in the way he does it, but in reality, if you hit someone with something like a monkey wrench, it's going to be quite graphic. Yeah. So the whole idea is very much like a comic book film in reality. It's like a violent blank man by the sound of it. Yeah, and he's got like a sidekick, it's uh, Ellen Page as Bolty, who's uh, hyperactive, almost like a teenager who doesn't really have a role model in life. So she sees him as being like almost a father figure, but then he's not all there mentally. So there's no real grown-up in the situation where it's like, this is right and this is wrong. So he's doing things which would be he sees as being right and she's kind of going along with it. It's like, okay, yeah, we'll do this. But it's very much like two people who want to be vigilantes and setting wrongs right. But it's not going to happen the way it's going to happen in comic books. No. I mean, it's like the uh, vigilantes who sort of put masks on and say, okay, I'm a vigilante, I'm going to do this in real life. There's quite a few popped up recently after the last Batman film. And they had the whole issue of Okay, you're attacking people, you're going to get done for assault, or you're going to get your head kicked in. Yeah. That's the whole issue. This is why I made the terrible superheroes. But that's the whole idea of the comic book, uh, the film, sorry. It's like based on the comic book reality of, I'm going to be a superhero, but in reality you're going to get your head kicked in, or you're going to get done for assault. That's why I like this film. It's like very sort of, I don't know how to describe it really, it is one of those... You don't know whether it's going to be set in that comic book world of films or in reality world of films. And the end couple of end fight scene where he goes uh, to it's like the bad guy's house. He tries goes there and tries to treat his girlfriend. It's got like real life consequences, which is kind of quite shocking when you see it. And you go, yeah, that's what would happen in real life. But then there's the comic book side of things where it's like you actually get the bad guy being defeated and the good guy winning. Spoilers, but if you watch it, which I'm guessing you haven't, I haven't seen Super. No, yeah. as I said, if you definitely watch it. It's, it's definitely why James Gunn got picked up for Guardians of the Galaxy because it has a very distinctive look and style to it. Mm. So, Dave, what is your number one? Oh, boo, sorry. What is boo, your number we're one? dropping bombs left, right, and centre here, ladies and gentlemen. So, my number one, Dave and Mr. Dino, uh, is going to mm. be a particularly odd choice since it is. A comic book movie where there is not a single superhero nor supervillain. Um, 
in 2003, a uh, biographical comedy drama film uh, was made, and when I saw it, it um, pretty much changed my outlook on on comic books as a whole. Um, this movie is called American Splendor. It's the story of Harvey Pekar, who was a comic book writer who basically just wrote about his life and his day-to-day goings-on, and uh, they were illustrated by a very famous comic book artist, specifically Robert Crumb, who's second mention. Um, my list. Um, it uh, stars Paul Gimanti as uh, Harvey, and it basically just goes through the majority of his life. Um, he's, he has a normal job uh, and a very normal life, but for some reason it just translates so well into comic book form. Um, as soon as um, I saw the film, I went out and grabbed a couple of the graphic novels, including the graphic novel uh, or trade paperback um, of the uh, the story of them being involved in the making and filming of the film, but in comic book form. So it's a very Inception-style thing going on here. But um, it's got a brilliant cast, it's got a brilliant story, and brilliant direction, and I just just love this film. I think think I've probably seen this film more times than any superhero film I own, Um, and I can't praise it enough. Unfortunately, Harvey Picard died a couple of years back, um, but his his wife um, um, is still very active on Facebook and on social media, and often um, still sells and um, produces American Splendor items. So I highly recommend you go and check those out and um, sort them out with a bit of money because they deserve it. Uh, so that's American Splendor. Wow! Okay, again, an- another one that I shall add to my list of uh, things to watch, sir. Is that very much like um, the Crumb film? It, it's it, kind of because it, it sounds like it, documentary. Yeah. it is, but it's it's mixed because you've got Paul Gimanti playing out the life, and then in between you've got actually the real Harvey Picard saying, "Oh yeah, I remember this like this happened," and and then it flashes back to that time of his life and how he meets his wife and um, their daughter, who they basically adopted from uh, an artist that they work for. It's, it's it's a complicated and very real human story. Um, it just happens to be based on a comic book, and um, that happens to be about somebody's life. And uh, it is just I, I could not recommend it highly enough. As I said, I think out of all the comic book movies, I've I've probably seen this more than Dylan Dog. So um, no, I, I love American Splendor, and uh, I'm very proud to show off to people who've never seen it before because I like to be that guy. Okay, so hmm, follow that, Dave. Um, my number one is very stereotypical. Um, my number one is Batman Returns. Yep, I know lots of people criticise it. It's generally regarded as a failure in terms of the money it made for um, the companies. Um, but Batman Returns, for me, is my favourite superhero film. Um, again, it's to do with the time it was released. So it's 1992. I was 12 years old. I, I got excited by the first one. And then 1992 came around. And I was like, oh, there's another Batman film. Um it started a trend for we have to have two villains in the movie. It's not enough just to have one. So we had Catwoman and Penguin. Um, for me, Dan DeVito's Penguin was great. Um, Catwoman, Michelle Pfeiffer, the, the, the teenage fantasy of many, many people. Um, it was just, a, a, I thought, a great film. Other than Christopher Walken, who was an interesting how addition. Could you, how could you forget the biggest villain of that movie, Dave? Max! Shrek. Max Shrek, who we've spoken about before, but had nothing to do with any comic lore. Nothing to do with Batman whatsoever. He was just created for that in a fright wig. 
playing Christopher Walken, um, <laughs> literally there for the end shot of him burnt to a crisp. Um, but again, uh, it was one of those things. Uh, apparently, Burton didn't want to do it um, because of the mixed emotions from the previous film, which you'll read if you uh, look it up on Wikipedia, like I am now. Um, but um, there was lots of different ideas of putting Harvey Dent in there, Robin in there. They re- resisted that. They went with the idea of just having Catwoman, Penguin, and Batman. And for me, it is the best superhero film. I, I've watched this, as Boo has just said about his, his number one, I have watched this more times than I think I've watched Mrs. Doubtfire, which is my favourite film of all time. It was just great. Um, I didn't have a problem because I love Tim Burton's sort of visual style. I didn't have the problems that a lot of comic book fans had with his adaptation of Batman. I thought it went well. I, I now looking back, I can see the main problem is yes, as we referred to earlier, he can't move his head, so he has to do a whole body turn if he wants to look at something. But get over that, and you'll enjoy a really, really interesting film. Um, it doesn't stand up as great as Batman Forever, which Boo mentioned earlier. It's certainly better than Batman and Robin. It's ahead in my eyes of the original Batman. Mainly because you haven't got Jack Nicholson chewing the scenery. But for me, yep, Batman Returns is the best Batman film and is my number one. See, Dave, you bring up an interesting point where they were mulling over which villains to bring in. And you mentioned that they were going to bring in Two-Face, Harvey Dent. Mm. Now, since in the first movie, Harvey Dent was played by Mr. Smooth, Lando Calrissian himself, Billy D. Williams. Indeed, Billy D. Williams, yep. Do you know whether they had the, uh, the idea in their heads to cast... Billy D as Two-Face? As far as I understand, um, Billy D was paid for Batman Forever, which obviously did not have him in, because the original idea was he had a three-movie deal and he would be progressing to the character of Two-Face. However, they decided they were going to go a different direction and went with Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face and even said in that film... Uh, you need help, Harvey. I think was the, the the line Batman delivers to him. So they they admitted, yeah, it is Harvey Dent. They they showed his origin story with the acid over the face and everything else. But yeah, um, yeah, Billy D uh, was paid for films beyond the ones that he acted in. Wow, there you go, there you go, milksters and totally insane tape show fans. That you heard it right here. <laughs> Lando Calrissian was meant to be two faced. So that is my number one Batman Returns. Go on, Dean. Then you've got to have a Go on, cracking sir. movie. I've got to top those ones now, haven't I? Hey, I've got to top those ones now, really, haven't I? American Splendor and Batman. Batman Returns. Returns. I mean, they're pretty much up there. This, this better be cracking. Yeah, there isn't much about mine which says like superhero, but it's based on a comic book. It's. Uh, a boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, boy has to fight off seven evil exes of the girl. Boy <laughs> loses girl, boy gains self-respect, boy wins girl back again. It's uh, Scott Pilgrim. I was going to say, it's not that from Hell movie, is it? No. Literally, <laughs> <laughs> my favourite comic book film was actually to my surprise, because I kind of wrote a list out of rough idea of what I wanted in my top five list. And I had like, say, ten movies. Flicked around the line, I saw Scott Pilgrim and thought, yeah, that's a really good film. I've watched it so many times, and it's one of those ones that I 
forget it's a comic book, but it is based on a graphic novel. Not a trade paperback. Graphic novel. Uh, sick books. Brian Lee O'Malley. Um, yeah, the whole story is just essentially a guy trying to win a girl over and fighting off the evil exes. But the whole idea of the uh, comic books is translated into the film really well, where it's over the top, it's comic books, it's computer games, references all over the place. I mean, like fighting evil exes, beating evil exes, and winning coins, uh, winning extra lives. It is over the top, and it's what I like in comic books. It's the idea that you can go, you don't need to live in reality. Even though, like, reality based films of Unbreakable and Number Two, one of my top films, was like Super, which is like based in reality. This one is completely outside of the whole thing. You know, it's like, it's not relating to, oh, this is kind of weird, this is happening. It's like, it's just natural. He's good to gain an extra life. He's gaining a sort of self respect. You're having fighters of evil waxes where you know kung fu and fighting skills and so on. It's just fully out there, and I've watched it so many times mm. that I've forgotten it's actually a comic book or based on a graphic novel. Yeah, <laughs> it's got Pilgrim vs. the World. I mean, it's got all the ideas in a comic book which I like, which is like over the top sort of storyline uh, little things in there which you don't see the first time you watch it second time you see something else the third time you see something else fourth time you see something mm. else you watch the behind the scenes the director's commentary you pick up on extra things you didn't notice the first time around and you just pick up more and more every time you watch it the soundtrack is one of the best ones in the films for the last decade at least um, yeah I yeah can't say any more Nice I'm, uh, this film, really. I'm going to do a date on you here, but um, and this is terrible. <laughs> I've never seen nor read. I have. I've seen it. It's it's brilliant. Thank you. Uh, I'm better than you. But yeah, it, 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 <coughs> sorry. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and the other point I wanted to the other point I need to to mention is, and I've heard a lot about Scott Pilgrim. Actually, I've got the game, um, but I have, that's my 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 kind of experience with Scott Pilgrim so far. She's got a lot of X's for being a young teen, doesn't she? I think she's supposed to be young, early 20s. Oh, I was always... Because of the way that the, the sprites are drawn in the game, they look like young like kids, not... They look like kind of early teens. So, okay, that makes it a bit better then, because otherwise yeah, I was going to say... Film, she, it's, it's very much the case this person was like... She needs to put it around school, far less. In high school, and then they're out of school, and they're kind of... Mm. He's about 25-ish. And the whole thing is, he's like the start of the film, he's old... When he's dating a girl mm. in school, yeah. So I think he's like he's quite old. He should know what he's wanting to do in life, but that's kind of the realistic side of the story. It's mm. like he should know what he's doing in life, but he doesn't. So he's kind of just faffing around with like young teenagers. He doesn't know what he's doing, and then he meets a girl where it's like, okay, I want to be with you, but I don't know what I'm doing in life. It's kind of finding your way in life. Yeah, but it's not in a reality that we know of. Good, because I was going to say, by the sound of it, it's suggesting that um, the only way for us to make a life for ourselves is to win the girl. And um, well, well, it's not. It's, it's The film was actually made before the last book was finished. I was, yeah, no, I, I was to understand that. They, they yeah, so the six, the there's six books in the series. The sixth book wasn't written when the film was made, so there's a number of different endings to it. And each one of them makes sense for what goes on in the film, because it's 
uh, spoiler alert, there's he dates the teenager, and at the end of the mm. film, even though he's chasing one girl, he gets with the teenage girl. It's like that's the one he's supposed to be with. And because they didn't write the sixth book, it's like okay, we don't know what how we're going to finish this. The books themselves are actually completely different to the film, mm. so they yeah. do completely different endings to the stories of in the books than the film, and the film makes sense either way they do the ending anyway. But the ending they end up with is like that's cool. Yeah, no, yeah. I've, I've been intended. I've been meaning to check out Frozen. Dave, you're a fan. I I enjoyed the film. Um, I watched it. I've actually watched it twice now. I watched it on DVD. You're just saying that because I haven't seen it. You, you, no, no, no. I, I and I watched it on on Netflix when it came on Netflix as a thing. Um, oh, it's difficult because it's the same guy who was going to direct Ant Man. He made Edgar Wright. Space. Thank so you. Yeah, space. I'm a big fan of like space and, as it is and hot yeah. bars and. So it, it, it yeah. had that kind of contemporary feel that you thought, right, this guy is on the edge of what he's doing. Um, I, I did enjoy it. Um, I'm not tempted to read the comic books. I thought as a standalone film, it worked really well. And it was certainly better than Kick-Ass and things like that that were around at the same sort of time. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I really enjoyed it. And Boo, I'm ashamed that you have not watched it. Yeah, sir. because yeah, cause I've let you off so lightly for the fact that you haven't seen <laughs> Akira, American Splendor. <laughs> Well, that is your films. weekend. Have you seen any of our films? Yes, you've seen Scott Pilgrim. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, it's about the same yours. time as like, Kick-Ass. Uh, that's what I think damaged it in terms of Kick-Ass yeah. and Scott Pilgrim come out. And it's very much a case of, yeah. okay, comic book films, we're going to see Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass I didn't like at all. I was going to say, I noticed none of us picked Kick-Ass. And although I, I enjoyed no, both was, of them, it was all right, them but No. Yeah, I didn't like the film at all. Uh, Scott no. Pilgrim, loved, like I say, I've watched it so many times. And then when I was looking for stuff, it's like, yeah, Scott Pilgrim's a comic book. There's a couple of films I don't realise that actually come from comic books. I mean, Old Boy. Mm. But that was kind of a manga, yeah. so I was going to uh, can we count it. Old Boy's one of my favourite films, but I don't consider it a comic book. I'm guessing the sort I, of material and film I wouldn't different. have included Akira had I not read the comic, the, 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 the English translation comic book, because the comic books are so different because it's such a bigger story and there's so many different characters in the in the, in the Comics and trade collected trade paperbacks that just weren't in the movie, but the movie's just a fantastic standalone thing, and it's the best they can do with that much material condensed into a two-hour movie. Because I've not seen Old Boy, oh, not read Old Boy, but I've seen Old Boy. Mm. And I like the film. I don't want to read the books because it may ruin the film. I mean, did you like... read? Did you read Battle Royale? The, the, I know it's based on a book. Battle Royale, no. I know the book, it's based on a book, but there's also a comic book line. I think I've got like, somebody gave me the first three books one Christmas. And it was just violent and sexual, and like it was just really mad compared to the uh, to the film. But again, um, I don't know whether that counts. Yeah, but Scott Pilgrim, number one. I'm reading lesbians with his movie. So there we go. That was our roundup. It was the things that we love about comic books. We uh, gave you our origin stories, uh, despite what Boo tried to portray at the beginning. We also told you about our top five comic book movies of all time. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you for attending the Nottingham Comic Con. Thank you for coming and saying hello, because obviously you wouldn't even be hearing this unless you'd interacted from uh, either myself or Dino or Boo. As always... 
Tune in on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere that good pod- podcasts are available. Uh, it's themilkypodcast.com. Uh, get on board, subscribe, like, and uh, you'll, you'll enjoy the peaky at the week of geeky every single week. Um, I'm David Davis. I'm Boo Lamont. And I'm Dino Peppers. And thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy the rest of the Comic-Con. Peace out, y'all. See ya. Toodles!